for me, it's been a home run in two ways, on the racetrack and also building our brand here in Australia in our business. We finished first or second every year since 05, um, which was... Uh, I knew it was fast before, and I proved it very it's, it's motor racing, you know, you can't really just look at the last race of the year. You have to look at, uh, it starts at Adelaide and it ends at Newcastle. But... From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Hello and welcome to Inside Supercars this week. Unfortunately, Tony Whitlock has got some computer troubles, so he's unable to join me on the show this week. But don't worry. Tony has had a chance to speak to the engineer for Rick Kelly, George Commons, and we'll be hearing from George Commons a little bit later in the show, uh, along with Tony, who also caught up with Anthony McDonald from Walkinshaw Andretti United to talk about their engineer exchange program, which sees... Scott Pye's number one mechanic heading over to work for the Andretti's at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Also on this week's show, we have a chat with Wes McDougall, the engineer for Todd Hazelwood at Matt Stone Racing. So, a bit heavy on the engineering this week, but I'm sure you'll enjoy each of the different men and their stories. First of all, we'll look back at some of the news from the weekend. Kicks off with Rick Kelly getting that race win at Winton on Saturday. Rick, uh, in a lighter moment at the press conference, was able to talk about what he would be doing after he'd finished speaking to the media. What's next is I'm going to go to the laundromat and wash these undies in this suit because this is the suit and the undies that got us on the podium twice at Phillip Island, so <laughs> that's what's next, I'm telling you. George Commons has, I said, a full interview with George coming up later in the show, but Tony caught up with him after the race victory to get his thoughts. But we're here because George pulled off one of those things that not many people do nowadays, and that's engineered a race win in supercars. So Rick Kelly got his first win in a Nissan Altima, Right. It's the third for the team. George, you must be very pleased with that. Oh, we are very pleased. It's been a long time coming, so thank you very much, Tony. You've been there from the start with the Nissans, or...? No, I came beginning of 2015, so they'd already had 13, 14, so two years. Right. Okay. Well. But yeah. you've got a fair stint on it, yeah, though. Yeah, fair stint, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the development of it is obviously something that you know, happens over a long period. You don't bolt one thing on and suddenly you jump up ten places. No, that's right. The combination of things that have led to this getting this win today... Mm. Um, I t we heard Shane talking about how they didn't manage their tyres properly through qualifying. Mm. That obviously happened here. A man called Fu probably was a man there. <laughs> <laughs> but what is it that made it suddenly all of the things lined up today? Well, I'd say we've probably had the potential or shown the pace for that potential for the last few rounds, particularly from Phillip Island. So, as you said, there's not one thing, but as Todd's been talking about in the press this week, there's been a pretty extensive engine program going for a long time, and I'd say that we're close to being on equal footing now. Yep. Um, there's been this year you know, a substantial weight reduction program and various other things. So there's lots of small things that always add up to this. And, you know, it's As you said before, it is so tight, so you're only looking for a couple of tenths usually. Yep. Um, and you, you have... Yeah, and a few small things like that will add up to a couple of tenths, which then all of a sudden puts you in the hunt and takes you from the back of the top ten or in the sort of 13 to 15 range into the sort of 1 to 5 range pretty right. quickly. Now, g given that you've been Rick from day one when you arrived... That's right, oh, since I came back, yep. Yep, um, that um, it must be particularly satisfying for, for Rick to have his first win. 
in, yeah. the, in the car. Yes, that's right. And for, yeah, and for me as well, obviously. And for yeah. us, I mean, we we get on very well outside of the car and similar age and young children and similar yep. interests. So outside of motor racing, there's lots for us to talk about. So yeah, it's good to see a good friend get a win. Yeah. Now, tonight you settle down, knuckle down, and you've got a, a, that's right, we'll a longer down. race, and you've got two stops potentially minimum. That's right. I mean, yeah, tomorrow's a slightly different set of challenges, yeah. but first focus is, is qualify well again, and then we'll, we'll see how we go from there. And the good news is you haven't got a long drive home on Monday or Sunday night, <laughs> and so on, on Monday or Tuesday you can front up again and say, right, now we can celebrate for a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, sort of. I'll celebrate from home. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, thanks very much, George. We look forward to hearing more of you in the rest of the show. So, Thank, thank you very much, Tony. Cheers. One of the interesting uh, verbal stouches of the year was at the press conference where Scott Pye was speaking about the rejoin of Richie Stanaway. I think that, in all honesty, Stanaway, again, I mean, same as Simmons Plains, I'm not sure what he's thinking. It seems to be pretty common now with him. And we followed him for, I think, 17 laps. Uh, he rejoined and nearly took the leaders out, out of pit lane. And then we followed him, like I said, for 17 laps. And uh, he was technically on the lead lap, so no blue flags. Um, not that I saw any when he was actually a lap down anyway. Um, but, uh, I mean, it, it really ruined our race at that point. Our pace was really good. Um, and then when he let me pass in lap 17, I think we found nearly half a second a lap. It was crazy how much he was holding us up, even though we were about 1.2 behind him. I don't want to dwell on it, but are you going to go have a chat to him about it? Or? I don't think there's much point, to be honest. But, um, yeah, like I said, it, it might not have cost us the win because Rick, like I said, had great speed at the end of the race and if I wasn't in front of him, then I couldn't beat him. Stanaway came back in the best fashion possible with his first ever top 10 finish on Sunday. On Sunday, Fabian Coulthard took out the race win in domination fashion. He won and that meant that his engineer for 2018, Mark Fenning, was also picking up his first race victory. It's good, you know, it's all going well. Uh, Mark's been in the team for, you know, many years. He hasn't been in a, a race engineer's role. Um, he did that a few years ago, and now he's back doing that. So um, he's come to every race. He's done every debrief, every pre-brief. So he knows what's been going on. Um, he's had a bit of understanding of what I'm like anyway. Um, so we're just working out that lingo of how we chat, what I think that and what, what he interprets that as being. And, you know, it's all working very well. We've just not had very much luck this year. So hopefully uh, this is the turning point. You know, we're now seventh in the championship, so hopefully that's now a lucky seventh. <laughs> well, it's under that up two spots for the weekend. Well done, mate. Congratulations. on. In the weeks to come, we hear more from Fabian Coulthard. After the break, we come back with Wes McDougall. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Wes McDougall joins us on the line, and Wes, it probably seems like yesterday you started off at Ball and Racing. Yeah, that was... Uh... It was seems like yesterday, but it was um, yeah back in 1995. I started up with uh, Mike Borland, 
um, and his uh, his team down there making the the Spectrum Formula Fords. What prompted your interest in motor racing? Um, oh, I think my interest started um, before I could probably probably uh, consciously re- remember. Uh, I'm told that my my parents uh, took me to to Brands Hatch um, as a as a sort of three year old, and I, I I fell in love with the I guess the sight and the sound of um, of motor racing and. Um, I think Nelson Piquet was my my favourite driver when I was a, a little kid. And what then did you set about a course to become a racing engineer, or did you did you try racing karts yourself? Um, I, I did have a small period of um, racing karts by myself, but um, yeah, I was I was really fascinated in the in the technical side of things. So um, yeah. Throughout primary school, I was I was forever um, scribbling um, down uh, racetrack designs and and drawing cars and um, yeah. Throughout high school, became more more fascinated with the technical side of things and um, yeah, that 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 led me to to start part time work with with Mike Boland. Um, you know, in in uh, what well, was it the second last year of, of high school in the summer holidays, and it, and it really escalated from there. So when did you come out to Australia with your family, or was the trip to Brands Hatch on a holiday? Uh, no, I was born in born in the UK and um, came out here when I was, I was five. So um, even though I was born there, I considered myself a, an Aussie. Um, grew up and everything here. Um, and, yeah, did, did go back for work later on the UK and Europe, but yeah, grew up in sort of formative years and everything were out, out here in Australia. So I take it you started cleaning the shop floor at Borland's and then worked your way through the ranks? Yeah, absolutely. So literally stuff like sweeping the floor and um, uh, cleaning cleaning things with the order of the day to start with. And then um, from there, you know, moved on and um, Rotec... Um, Dalton systems were in the infancy, so that was was one of the things that I first started sinking my teeth into in a in a more of an engineering role capacity back in back in the day. Because Motec now is uh, very much the standard for most of the motor racing uh, categories in Australia. Yeah, exactly, um, and and um, rightly so throughout the world, and and that that sort of link um, while I was working with. With, with Mike Bolland on the Formula Fords, um, uh, one of the one of the uh, people responsible for Motec, um, Ken Douglas had a Formula Ford, so I got to know him really well and learn about the product. Um, and then also uh, Richard Bendel, um, he he was making the Daytona sports cars uh, with Mike Bolland at Bolland Racing Development, um, and he he got me a link um, to. To work overseas with uh, list of sports cars, who ran Motec products um, as well. So, going over there and seeing the racing over there, it's a it, it, it is a it's a world away, and it's a very different world, isn't it? Sports car racing compared to what you were seeing here in Australia. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's 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 a. Amazing uh, eye opener for a for a um, young young person.
Christmas when you, when you go over there and and you know cram so much racing into the into the calendar, you, you sort of feel like it's four years of of racing uh, over here crammed into to one over there. So this is around what ninety nine two thousand. Uh, two thousand and two. So I completed my um, uh, engineering degree at Bonash University. Mm-hmm. So I was always time working part time with with Mike Ball and uh, with former Fords and um, building uh, building uh, dampers and and doing Motec data logging and engineering cars. And then yeah, when I finished my degree, um, I got a job with with Lister Sports Cars and. Um, the start of 2003 season um, in the FIA GT Championship. So uh, race teams over there quite commonly have their workshop team and, and then the team that goes with the car. Was that the case at Lister? Yeah, they were they were a um, pretty small um, team. They, they did have sort of design-based um, engineering team and, and the travel team, and I was... More part of the travel travel side of things, and so you're going to all the iconic tracks: Spa, Nuremberg Ring, or Nurburgring, and, and yeah, Le Mans uh, as well, I believe. Yeah, exactly. I, I was really lucky. Um, Lister had both uh, the Lister Storm um, FI GT team, um, and uh, they just built the, their LMP uh, 900 car, which is the like LMP1 nowadays. Um, so I got to go to um, engineer both those cars. Um, and so, yeah, the, the tracks and drivers uh, were, were quite quite amazing. So, yeah, did two Le Mans 24 hours, um, Spa 24 hours, and, yeah, Nürburgring, all, all those sort of iconic European tracks. Um, so that was, yeah, fantastic. And were you on the spanners or were you d- doing the data and doing the engine controls? No, so race engineer um, mm-hmm. there. Um, so that was, you know, such a fantastic experience. You know, being at the the cutting edge of, of it all there, um, and also working with uh, with the wind tunnel program. So um, the with the LMP car went to the the wind tunnel on numerous occasions to, to update update that car um, throughout its throughout its life. Um, to help reduce, um, it's quite a quite a draggy car, so I had to reduce quite a lot of drag to, at, at Le Mans to, to try and get over the 200 mile an hour barrier there. And this is all pre your wind tunnel computer programs. I take it you were physically making changes on a full size car or a, or a model. Yeah, this this is in the Mara wind tunnel um, in in the UK. So this is yeah, this is sort of pre pre-CFD um, days, so, yeah, actually making changes on a, on a full-scale car in, in the tunnel. Um, the, car had, the car had been designed um, on, on a scale scale car, um, uh, but sort of budget-permitting um, and just making changes uh, to try and hone the car down for, for Le Mans that was done on a full-scale car. That basic grassroots adjustment on a full sale car, it's something very different to what you're dealing with with young engineers today where they are doing it all electronically, isn't it? Yeah, I mean I mean CFD's been a great, great advancement for the sport. The um as computer power has, has evolved to 
to be able to, um, you know, make multiple changes, uh, you know, very, very quickly. Um, so that, that, that certainly helps move things along nowadays. But in some respects, I guess you'd be looking at some of the changes they're making electronically and going, I know that's not going to work before you even run the model, aren't you? Because you have a better appreciation in some ways of the fundamentals from the actual physical uh, world experience. Yeah, look, I guess that's right. I think CFD is good for, for a lot of things. Um, some of the things that can't really um, model well, sort of like um, inside the wheel arches and round the round the tyre flow. So you, you do get a, a greater appreciation of either wing tunnel scale models or the or the full scale stuff as well as a, as a holistic overall approach. Mm. I um, yeah, but you would have with interest seen the speculation about the uh, the comments this year about the trim down ZB rear. Yes, yeah. Every every year, every every race, every model. There's always a discussion in the aero um, department in supercars. <laughs> for sure, absolutely. <laughs> now, what prompted the return back to Australia? Um, I was again sort of the story um, turns a little bit sort of full circle. Ken Douglas, by this stage, was working with um, Stone Brothers Racing um, there, and and. I kept in contact with him. Um, probably a little bit of a bit of yearning for some sunshine, um, <laughs> uh, uh, combined with with Lister sort of uh, really sort of scaling scaling down. Um, uh, and they their car was sort of getting very long in the tooth, both in the GT and the LMP side of things. Um, so I, I was up for a new challenge. So I, I decided to. Um, speak to supercars teams and I knew um, Ken Douglas well and yeah that, that's when I started in uh, end of 2004 started 2005 with uh, SBR as um, Marcus Ambrose's data engineer mm. so a couple of years in England and as you said before the amount of racing over there and having the two different classes meant you would have probably done four or maybe even five supercar seasons in in the space of that couple of years, yeah, literally racing every weekend um, between those two seasons and and testing. So um, common over there with, with tra- so many tracks being so close, um, that it, it really did feel like yeah, four <laughs> normal seasons in in one. Now, when you return home, you you uh, you come to Stone Brothers at a at a remarkable stage in their in their life, uh, uh, working, uh, of course, uh, with Marcus Ambrose, I think, primarily. Yeah, exactly. That, that's where I started, and I was, I was lucky to join a team that was, um, you know, at, at the height of its height of its powers, and um, and yeah, I'll always be thankful for for Ross and Jimmy for giving, um, you know, myself a self a go. They were, they were always really great with. Um, you know, young drivers that they they took on, like Marcus and um, James Courtney and Dan Gisbergen and and Slade and the likes. You know, they're sort of well known for that. But they, they also did that with their their personnel that people I thought were they had good good future potential. And yeah, I'll always be thankful for them for sort of giving me my supercar start. 
So you came into Stone Brothers as what what level of engineers? Race engineer uh, no, or da- no data engineer. So I, I had been a race engineer, but but obviously supercars is a um, you know a specialised category and um, with its with its type of car and tyre and 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 it's it's got its own uniqueness. So yeah, I, I started back as a as a data engineer here to learn the learn the ropes of the series and the cars, if you like. And how long till you you made the next step? Um, so I was um, yeah data engineer with with Marcus for his final season here, um, and then James Corner came to the team in two thousand and six, and I continued to uh, work as data engineer there. And then two thousand and seven, um, I was, it was my first sort of race race engineer uh, gig. I engineered um, James in start of that season. Mm. Now. Listening to those drivers, Marcus Ambrose, James Courtney, uh, you had Russell Ingle in the team, of course, and then a bit later yep. on, Alex Davison. They're, those four drivers all had that same European experience as you did. There's some commonalities, isn't there, to your thinking when you've been over in Europe uh, racing in that mindset? Yeah, as as I was saying before, it just sort of it opens your mind to different different ideas, different ways of, of approaching things. And, yeah, we, um, amongst all those drivers, we, we all talk about our different experiences at different different tracks and uh, things over in Europe, sure. Now, you stayed with Stone Brothers right to the, to the, uh, to the very end. Yeah, so um, when, when SBR morphed into Erebus, yeah, I was... I was there, so um, I worked with with JC and um, got, got his, um, you know, sort of first poles and podiums and his first win at SBR. Then worked with uh, Alex Davison for a year, um, and then Tim Slade, um, and yeah, worked with him and, and got his first podium and first pole position. Um, and then it then it then it carried over into into Erebus. Was that a huge culture change? Um, it look it wasn't it it wasn't um, you know I think all the all the people um, in that in that team stayed on you know everyone was was keen to start the project and we all um, started um, virtually the same team I think you know Jimmy was Stone was the only one that sort of left and and you know went to go work with his son Matt um, but. Yeah, ninety-eight percent of the people stayed on. Um, so there was a there was a great sense of excitement and um, you know expectation with, with what was to come with the Mercedes side of things. Mm. And one of the most exciting challenges for an engineer, a completely new package to try and uh, to work from almost a blank piece of paper. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a daunting um, but exciting challenge at the same time and. Um, you know, along with Nissan coming into the category, you know, it was a it was a definite change from the from the mould with uh, with Ford and and Holden from the years gone by. So, new engine, um, new set of rules and car of the future, um, new aerodynamics and new body panels with the Mercedes E63 AMG. Um, it was there's so much happening in in such a short space of time, um, and yeah, it was you know a lot of people um, put a lot of effort into digging that project across the line because it was 
very very short term project from the announcement to the the completion of the of the cars. I imagine the hours you would have been working would have been phenomenal. Yeah, it was it was literally you know every day from from Christmas for um, you know a lot of the majority of the staff um, just put in tremendous tremendous hours. So um, yeah, people people took their their pillows into work because there were there were numerous all nighters <laughs> <laughs> lying on the on the workshop floor um, and not going home. Um, and yeah, everyone everyone put in a fantastic effort to to see that project see that project through what was it like when that car had its first win uh from memory lee at winton yeah so i guess just short of 18 months from from when the car debuted and it was it was a a back of the field um car (laughs) with with you know quite a few shortcomings and to develop that car and um to stand on pit wall um you know, four, four years ago, um, around this time, um, was yeah, really, really emotional for, for everyone in the team. Just the, just the hard effort and, and work that um, that got put in, and, and to see that sort of come to fruition was, was yeah, really satisfying and and emotional as well. Mm. Now, Dave Stewart moves on, and uh, you get the call up to technical director. How yeah, did so... you find that change? Oh, well, well that, that that sort of already occurred at the start of the 2014 season um, that I became technical director. So once um, Tim Slade um, moved on at the end of 2013 from from Erebus Motorsport, the team went to two cars with Will Davison and Lee Holtzworth. Um, so I stepped up there to technical director, and and David Stewart was always um, team manager. Um, and then so in his his place uh, ben ben croak um stepped up there so yeah okay. it was it was a different experience working um you know without a without a car per se and, and overseeing the whole thing um so it was it was you know an interesting interesting challenge you know to trying to develop the car further um you know so that was that was that was fun for sure mm. now obviously you you Elected to leave Erebus, and uh, I did. Did you had you already started your own business at that point, or is this the the moment when you started your own business? No, so I, I um, my last race with Erebus was um, was with uh, in 2015 in Barbagallo and Perth with Will Davison's victory for, for Erebus. Um, there, the the second and last one for the Mercedes. Um, and I was born with a um, genital uh, heart condition, um, so I was having surgery not not that long afterwards. So that that had been on the cards for a little while. So I I effectively took um, like sort of five months out of the sport, um, and then after my my surgery, I decided to that I wasn't going to go back to to Erebus, um, and Look, that was the end of, or, or sort of around the September period. Um, I was sort of well enough to um, work again full time, and I, I actually went and joined um, Ross Stone. He he was starting up a a team and and doing um, GT cars, so I 
the last part of 2015, did some GT racing um, before I started my own, own business. And do you still operate it now, or are you taking a? Uh, it has to take a bit of a back seat because of uh, the work you're doing with Matt Stone. Yeah, it's taken uh, very much a back seat with um, coming back into the, the championship with, with with Matt Stone and, and Todd Hazelwood. Um, so I, I still still have it, but it's um, I guess 20, 2016 and twenty seventeen was where I did that did that the most, and now you know full time with with Matt Stone Racing. Mm. Now your third year with Todd Hazelwood. Third year working with Todd. Um, yeah, started working with him in 2016 uh, when MSR got a X Triple Eight Car of the Future car. When Car of the Future cars were allowed into the, the Dunlop series, um, and because I'd had some experience with that, and and you know knew the Stone family well, um, you know worked uh, out a deal to to work with with them and, and engineer Todd in the in the Super Two Championship. Obviously. Uh... You have a high regard for the Stone family, but you must have seen something in Todd that made you uh, think this is a, a young guy that uh, is worth putting your effort into. Yeah, I'd, I'd um, you know, like like everyone does, you keep an eye on different categories and you, you, you look at different kids coming up um, through through the ranks, um, whether it was in Formula Ford or, 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 or otherwise. And, and I'd seen Todd and I'd heard about his his story, um, um, I guess, and the, the effort and, and hard work that he's always put into his racing. And I think I'd actually met him, Todd, the year before at um, the start of 2015 at the, one of the aero tests. He was driving one of the cars um, as, a, as a baseline car, and, and I struck up a conversation with him then. Um, and, yeah, he'd, he'd impressed me with being sort of so young but but being so mature you now having had the experience with i think four car three car two car teams you you're now in the unenviable position of a, a single car team how how difficult is that um yeah it's a it's a huge challenge that that that's for sure um ever elsewhere i've, I've previously worked you know is a as you touched on either a two three uh two-car or a multi-car um, operation. Um, and there's certainly reasons and, and benefits behind that with, with data sharing and, um, and um, you know, different different approach for drivers, different engineers, and putting that all into the melting pot and, and getting out the, the best best result. Um, but it, it, it's, it's sort of not so much that as well currently. It, it's also the fact that we just don't have any um, previous year data to or to draw on at, at, at the moment with the with the car that we're running so that, that makes it yeah a very much a, an unenviable challenge i imagine the uh, the two tests you've got uh, coming up uh, are going to be one either side of darwin are, are going to be critical to how the rest of the year pans out yeah for sure their um test days are like gold for, for supercars teams with with being having so few um we're lucky with with Todd that we get a um, couple of rookie days as well um, seeing it's his, his first year in the championship so um, yeah we're, we're looking really forward to those to um, to get some get some solid testing done and, and some 
understanding of the the car, the tyre, um, for Todd and and for the for the rest of the team. A number of different teams have different alliances. You you just don't have that um, relationship with uh, Penske to be able to get that baseline data, or it's uh, it's not part of the package that uh, Matt signed up for. No, Matt. Matt, um, when when he did the deal with um, uh, DJ Penske, was to, to buy um, a couple of cars. So we've got a, um, a main game car with, with Todd Hazelwood, and also a, um, a Super Two car, um, a Penske DJR car for the Bryce Forward in the Super Two Championship. So um, yeah, we we're, we're operating uh, on our on our own, and you know, learning and, and building as a team, um, as as Todd. Builds and learns as a driver in the main main series as well. You enjoying life as much as you did back when you first started sweeping the floors at Borland? Yeah, it's, it's it. You know, everything grows and, and evolves, and the um, the the challenge that's that's always present is um, you know the that that racing bug never goes away, and it's 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 an exciting. Uh, Sometimes frustrating, but you know, ultimately challenging, and and on a lot of days rewarding. Um, you know, career, and um, yeah, especially especially last year winning winning the Super Two Championship with with, with Todd was um, yeah was a was a fantastic highlight for sure. Well, Wes, pleasure to catch up with you, and uh, looking forward to seeing how Matt Stone's. Car and and Todd Hazelwood continue to uh, grow over season 2018. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Todd's a fantastic driver, and uh, I'm sure he'll he'll go all the way. So looking forward to it as well. Thank you. After the break, Tony Whitlock speaks with George Cummings. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as yeah, the cars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Inside Supercars, we're joined by one of the heavy hitters in pit lane, particularly this Winton Friday because the top two cars in today's practice session were Nissan's. George Commons is the engineer on car 15. That was pleasing in itself, George. Yeah, it was. It was a pleasing day for the whole team, four in the top six and obviously yep. the top two cars. So yeah. we've been sort of looking forward to this one to see how we go. We've got a lot of development going on this year you know, on the Ultimus, so we're interested to see how we're going to go after our strong results at Phillip Island. So, yep. Yeah. yeah. There aren't a lot of similarities between Phillip Island and Winton. No, but I mean, the, the fundamental performance level of the car sort of translates between tracks, I would say, to a certain degree. Certainly, the things that we've been working on are pretty fundamental yep. performance items, so they'll make you go quicker everywhere, essentially. Yeah. So. Now, George hasn't got the classic sort of background to. Uh, coming and working on supercars because he spent some considerable time overseas. Yeah, that's right. I first knew of George when he uh, bobbed up after a mechanical engineering degree in Queensland University. He bobbed up at one LMS, Larkham Motorsport. Um, back in the days of cars, uh, cars 10, 9 and 10 was it? 
10 and 20, I think. 10 and 20, you're right, it was. Bagwana and Lyco were the drivers at that stage? No, we had no? Winterbottom. Oh, Winterbottom. Winterbottom's first year. That's right, yeah, indeed. So, yeah, Bags and Winterbottom. And, and Lyco had stepped down from the seat and was That's running right. the team. That's right. Um, so that was an interesting sort of thing, arriving there, a team that, that was still finding its feet. But there were a lot of elements there that were right. That's right, exactly. No, it was a very tight-knit team, and we probably didn't have the biggest budget in the pit lane, but we made the most of what we had, and everybody got in and, and worked as hard as they could to, to get the best possible result. And yeah, no, I mean, everybody learned a lot there, and there's still a lot of people from that team in the, up and down the pit lane today. Um, set up a lot of careers, certainly. Yeah, I mean, we'll just list off some of those people. Apart from George, is Kenny McNamara, mm-hmm. who was uh, at KRE. Yep. Mark Dutton, team manager at um, Red Bull, or Triple Eight. Yep. Um, and Jeremy Moore, who yep. uh, was the other engineer on the, the other car mm-hmm. at that stage. And he's, uh, of course, won two Le Mans and two Porsche World Endurance Championships. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and still quite a few people from Triple uh, Eight emanated through the, the place. Yeah. Definitely. But George, you went from Larkham's to Dick Johnson's. Yes, that's right. Then uh, started 2006. So I spent three years at DJR um, running Stephen Johnson. Uh, sort of a little bit of a difficult time in the, the team's period. Sort of before, just before Jim Beam came on board for 2007. So. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, and Adrian Burgess, obviously that was the first team he worked out over here and he joined us late in 2006, middle of 2006 I think it was. And um, yeah, we had a, a couple of fairly reasonable years after that and then obviously Courtney joined the year after I left, which was the end of 2008. Okay. And they won in 2010. Working with Adrian, did that give you a, an inkling of something that you maybe should go and do? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I Adrian, thought, fresh from Formula One? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that was... He probably cemented the desire to, to go over to Europe and, and try and work in F1, at least for a while, to sort of broaden the horizons a little bit. So, Did he uh, give you the contacts? Yeah, so he, he arranged with Anthony Hyatt, or Boyo, uh, the, a job for me in Double R Racing in Formula 3 over in Europe, so I walked over into that and did that for nearly two years and then uh, went to Williams. Right, okay. Um, and from there to Williams? That's right. And what were you doing at Williams? Uh, so I was a vehicle dynamics engineer at Williams. Uh, so like pred- a pretty big title. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I was predominantly factory based, so I used to um, run the simulator, to run the driver and loop simulator, which at that time was uh, Valtteri Bottas was the development driver. So I had him in most days in the week running through various programs or things that we were looking to develop in an engineering sense on the simulator. Uh, I did selected events and I would do the, the track support from back from the factory, so the okay. uh, was telemetry John analysis. Russell there then? No, uh, no, he wasn't. He was, he he was in Australia. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah, there was that, and then some of the track events. I used to run the car on the straight line days and things like that. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how much of a, a help is that working in Formula One to come and work in supercars here? Oh, it's quite a big help. I mean, obviously the technology level is quite different. They have all the sensors in the world to measure on the cars, whereas we are very limited, really, in the, in the worldwide sense of motorsport and what we can measure on these cars. Um, but it, what it does do is give you an appreciation for what tools are available and what the limitations of those tools are and how they can, uh, you know, make them the most use of things like simulation and understanding what its limitations are. And they're, they're very good at that. Okay. 
Now, you were a fly-in with uh, Nissan Motorsport and Kelly yeah, Racing. Right. Mm -hmm. um, how much of a handicap does that make for you, or do you do you work on during all during the week when you're not at the factory? Yes, I mean, so I do all my event preparation at home. I mean, it's all computer-based now anyway, so whether yeah. I'm not at the factory or at home doesn't really make any difference. Yep. I wouldn't say there's any real handicap. It obviously relies on having a network of people at the factory. You know, you don't want to have a good team of mechanics to be sure that the, the setup's going to be right when you arrive at the track and or it's been set up properly. Um, that sort of thing. Uh, but fundamentally, I mean, it gives me the freedom to just focus on the race engineering and the strategy and all those things, whereas the guys at the factories obviously get pulled more into other projects and development that, that is going on. So. Now, did you come straight back from Formula One to uh, Kelly Racing? No, so after I was at Williams, I spent uh, a few years at uh, Arden Motorsport um, as the chief engineer on their World Series by Renault team. So. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's a, a enjoyable championship, and also did a little bit of GB2 and GB3 within mm -hmm. the same team uh, at various times. So it's very different dynamic those categories, which are they're all junior feeder categories into F1. So yeah, exactly. you, know, you have a different driver every they're not year. Destination categories. Yeah. So I mean, it means you get a different driver every year, but it also means you work with some some interesting and some up and coming drivers, and mm -hmm. that's always a. It's always rewarding to see them, particularly when it makes them when they make it to F1. Anyone coming through now? That you, uh... Um, yeah, there's four or five on the grid that I work with in F1 at the moment. So Science, Kvyat, oh, Kvyat's gone now. Botas, Gasly. Um, so I ran all those guys okay. in various categories in their junior careers. Gasly sort of seems to be slightly in the Kvyat mould. He seemed to have made a couple of mistakes. Is that something that was endemic in his character? Yeah, I mean, certainly I had. He jumped straight from Renault 2 litre into our 3.5 car, which is a very big step in terms of car performance. And there was definitely some mistakes there. And it was a year against when Science was in uh, with Dams, also in the championship. So I'd say he's matured quite a bit since then, but obviously it's another big step again up into, into Formula 1. So he'll find his feet. He'll, yeah. he'll be fine. He's um, a talented driver and thinks a lot about what he does. Okay. So. All right, so now you've been in, back here in Australia for how many years now? Three and a half. Yeah. Three and a half years, okay. Um, and um, at Kelly Racing, um, you didn't go full time there from the start, did you? When you came no, back? no. So, I mean, there's a few things surrounding my, my folks up on the Sunshine Coast, um, a few health things surrounding that, so which meant moving to Melbourne wasn't really an option. So, yep. But they were looking for somebody, and I'd worked with Scott Sinclair at DJR anyway. Yep. Um, and you know, realistically there's a reasonably limited talent pool in Australia because there's fundamentally supercars is the main category and outside of that most people are contractors anyway. Yeah, right. um, so there's not a huge amount of engineering, race engineering style people in Australia I would say compared to somewhere like Europe and so because of that we were able to come to an arrangement and you know it's worked very well up until this point. And uh, to reach a stage where you know, you've got four of the top six cars today in practice and obviously it's only practice I'm not trying to yeah. Relay that into something bigger, but it's a good indication. It is, it, yeah. You, on the back of a, a pair of uh, podiums at Phillip Island. No, that's right, it is. Um, like I said, there's been a lot of work behind the scenes to sort of improve the package that we've got and some of the fundamentals on the car, and some of that was brought about with the introduction of the, the ZB Commodore, which sort of freed up some of the rules surrounding the cars, I would say. Um, but, you know, Todd and, and the rest of the team have pushed very hard to, to make that happen, and it's also We've got the engine to a point now where I would say it's comparable, which that's you know been an ongoing issue, as you would have seen Todd talking about in the press. Being a road-based engine. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was, so there was a huge amount of development and work that had to go into that. And it, you know, th these are the 
the years that it's been is the sort of lead times when you're having to recast. Now, so. given these cars are all built to the same um, Gen 2 rules, mm. um, that uh, when you look at the, the Ultima, though, it, it looks very different in the engine bay to the other two cars. Mm. Um, does that handicap it all the way in which you, have, you know, the mechanics have to work around it or engineers have to... Uh, certainly not for me. It probably creates more of a headache for the mechanics more than it does for me, I would say. Um, it certainly doesn't affect anything in the suspension sense and the pickup points or the cross members at the front, but the packaging is very tight up around the windscreen and sort of back into the firewall, so it means things are changing trumpet lengths and working longer. on the engine. It takes longer. Yeah. Um, and there's very little clearance around the sides of the engine, so but, yeah, that's part of it is a racing car, it's not supposed to be too yeah. easy to work on. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and you know, working with that, um, where you know the cars were designed before you arrived, mm. um, so it was learning how to, to make this package work better. I mean, has that been a, a yeah? Obviously, that's been part of it. I mean, they're. The, the setup is a constantly evolving target, and you sort of your ba what you would consider as a baseline setup, and then it's you know it's really up to how well you work with your your driver on the day, on that track condition, on that track for the temperature to get the balance right and get the tyre warm up right, and you know make good decisions on those changes through a practice session is sort of what separates it out. Yeah. Um, and obviously, I still have a reason why to be put into what the team's doing in terms of development items and that sort of thing, but there's. You know, there's been a fair bit of talk, and particularly, I think, even was it Philip Island, because of last year's problems with tyres. There's been a fair bit of talk um, by various drivers about how, oh, they like the 17 tyre, or they like the 16 tyre, the fact they've mm. gone back to the 16. Yeah. Do you think that bears a relationship with the Nissans? Uh, I think we probably are a little bit better suited to the 16 tyre, for, for whatever reason. What's the aspect that suits it better? We can get achieve a more consistent balance, particularly in a race scenario, on the 16 tyre than, than what we could on the uh, 17 tyre. Um, so, yeah, I would say overall it, it's probably been a better step for us going back to the previous specification. Right. But having said that, you know, the drivers, I would say on the whole, prefer the, the 17 tyre because of the, the stiffer lateral stiffness and right. you know, the, okay. the f extra feedback that that gave them. Okay. Now, you've got four fairly different tyres, um, tire drivers, um, mm. in their feedback. Do, do you see a common thread through what they're saying? Is there something that... Yeah, I mean, they're usually, even though the setup's a little bit different and the driving styles are a little bit different, usually the fundamental issues are pretty close in terms no. of, of what they're looking for. So, okay. um, particularly between Rick and Michael, it's usually pretty close, and Andre doesn't seem to be too far away in what he's usually saying. Obviously, he's only four or five or five events in, so he's still yeah, yeah. his way a little Learning bit. Learning yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he certainly seems. I mean, I, I like the story that Matt White was actually talking to Todd about uh, running Andre in uh, the development series this year, and Todd said, "Oh, he's too good to waste in development series," <laughs> and grabbed him. Yeah. Oh, so Matt lost his deal. And, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's the betterment of the, the Nissan team. No, that's right. I mean, he, he's he's come in, obviously made a big splash at Adelaide. He's um, had a couple of tough races since then, but I think they've sort of they've turned it around a little bit on that car, and he's he's right there with us today. So uh, we'll see what see what tomorrow brings for him. But okay. certainly a, a good talent level. There. And and Simona, of course, she brings a, a wealth of open wheeler racing. So what mm. she's saying makes sense to you. Yeah. 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 Okay.
All right. Um, and you know, you've you've got obviously got a contract for the balance of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would seem to me a, a, a strong likelihood that the team's going to post some more good results this year. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's certainly what we've been working towards. There's still quite a few things in the pipeline that we're going to keep bringing to the car. So, and a lot of what's happening, I wouldn't say is specific to a, a Nissan Altima. So we'll always carry forward into whatever the team does in the future yeah. in terms of models. And um, I, Rick Kelly just made mention in the press conference about the news that was released this week that Nissan have decided to to withdraw mm. at the end of this year, and said that it actually it's a relief because now we know what we're doing sort of thing. Yeah, that's probably a fair comment. I mean, obviously the last renewals sort of around September time, and that that is a bit of an issue because then you really are too late to, to know what you're going to do for the yeah. next year. At least this way, there can be a good plan both for next year and, and more importantly the year after as to what it's going to look like and, and what the team decides to do. Okay. Are there any specific areas where you see the team needs to sort of really pick its game up? Are there any areas where you see any weakness in the team? Um, I wouldn't say so. No. I mean, there's historically there's probably been a few, but I think most of those have been addressed sort of through last year and this year. And you know, we've tied out of the car now and been more involved in in the things happening back at the factory. That's certainly bringing some some positive. Well, you know, given, given when you look at you know success of any qualifying session and races, I mean, there's not a lot of gaps in between in time. Yes, you'd have to think that the management as well would be going equally as close. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, yeah, I think it's it's a very strong group of people now. I think um, obviously a lot of lessons have been learnt over the past five years with the with the Ultima and what it's taken to get it to this point. Um, and I think if if we can keep that group of people going forwards into a new model or whatever might happen, would be yeah, the results will come much sooner. I suppose is what I'm getting at. All right. Well, thank you very much to George Commons to thank give you. us an insight into the world of a Nissan engineer, and uh, look forward to watching number fifteen, as especially, but any of the other Nissans going well this year. So, thanks, George right. Commons, on Inside Supercars. Thank you very much, Tony. Well, we wrap it all up after the break, not with a final thought, but with a thought about what one mechanic is doing for the month of May, which is definitely out of the ordinary of supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie Stewart at the Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. I'm here with Anthony Macker McDonald, a 15-year veteran of the Walkinshaw Group. Team manager at WAU now, yep. and we told me yesterday something about one of his staff. Um, tell us what's been going on with one of these guys. So with our connection with uh, the Andretti's, we've uh, placed one of our number one mechanics over uh, over with the Andretti's for the IndyCar event over there. Right, so, that's something. Yeah, it's one of those things that we've been probably thinking about and trying to work on for the last year. Give him a bit of a incentive program for our employees to go over there and yep. their employees to come over here do one or two races um, we might do something we might do something for Bathurst and Enduros where one of their mechanics right. might come over come over with us and help us out for a weekend okay and this is something we want to keep going for um, I don't know, 
as long as we've got the connection. Okay, so this is Scott Pye's number one mechanic. Yeah, that's correct. And so you've changed things around then to cover yep. his uh, yep. departure. Yep. Was he a member of the pit crew? Uh, yes, he is. Yeah, he's um, he's uh, normally our right front wheel guy. Yep. So we've had to do a few changes, one with the, the car crew as well as the pit crew. Okay. So uh, the number two, who's normally on Scott's car, uh, James Agnew, he's stepped up to be number one this weekend. Right. And we've got one of our old number one, uh, sorry, one of our old number twos, who was JC's number two a couple of years ago, who's now working in the engine shop. We've pulled him out of the engine shop and put him as a number two on the car. Okay, so Callum's the guy's name, Callum? Yeah, Callum Gran- Glanville is... Yep. Um, He's our number one mechanic who's over there at the minute with the, with the Andretti's. Now, our Andretti's this year, um, they normally run four cars through the series, uh, and they're running an additional two, which is why he's been... Yes, yes, yes. So they've got a couple of extra cars they're running, so they needed some more guys, and you know, we're happy to give some of our guys experience over there as well. Well, the other thing, of course, it gives you guys uh, an interest to watch through the month of May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things where... Callum's going to be over there for three weeks, I think it works out to be, um, and then we get him back for Darwin, I think it is. Right, okay, alright. So you're, we're back at Winton, a happy hunting ground for yep. HRT historically. Yep. You started the weekend a bit uh, sour because James Courtney went off sick. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't been feeling well. Um, we're not sure what's happened. Um, he's had a... Uh, case of throwing up and diarrhea oh, okay. so but fortunately with Jack Perkins able to step up yeah it was one of those rounds where we we're lucky to have the co-drivers here yeah. and then we basically just told Jack you're in there for a day which is look, good ex- good experience for him and yeah um, hopefully it's given JC enough time to recover and you can jump in the car today okay and of course you had Warren uh Warren Luff in with Scotty Pye yesterday and, and a good day yesterday? It wasn't a bad day. Unfortunately with uh, Car 2 we had a little mechanical issue. Didn't give Warren enough, well it didn't give Warren a lot of laps in the car. So, right. so okay. unfortunately he didn't get as many laps as we were hoping. But um, it's all good. Uh, Warren's a professional, he understands and you know, he's a good driver. He knows what the car's like. Well thanks to Macca for an update on what's happening down WAU way. <laughs> Best of luck for the rest of the season. Uh, no problem. Thanks Tony. I am sure Tony will have his computer all sorted out next week and will be back with me once again on Inside Supercars. Until then, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.